Hello everyone, it's Azim here. I'm really excited to have a couple of fantastic researchers with me today who have put out a paper that I think will be looked at as a milestone paper in helping us understand the productivity and labour impacts of generative AI. They are Eric Brynjolfsson and Lindsay Raymond. Thanks both of you for being on the call. So happy to be here, Azim. Thank you for inviting us. Eric, could you just say what you do? Uh, I'm a professor at Stanford. I used to be at MIT working with smart students like Lindsay, and luckily I still get to do that. She's at, over there. But I came out to Stanford in the middle of the pandemic and uh, continuing research on the digital economy. I run the Stanford Digital Economy Lab. Thanks so much. And Lindsay, how about you? What are you up to? I'm a fifth-year PhD student at MIT whose research focuses on the economics of algorithms and the digital economy and started working with Eric briefly two years, three years into my PhD and hope to continue working in this space. So let's get started with the basics of this paper and the results that you find. And the headline that I take away was generative AI in white collar work has significant productivity impact. And this is a long-term study, isn't it? And it's quite a large um, evidence base. I, I, I'm just curious, Eric, could you just explain that component of it? Because it's much, much bigger a study that you would expect on generative AI given it's only April 2023. Yeah, we were lucky. We got going on this before all the excitement about ChatGPT. And the reason I'm excited about it is there have been a number of laboratory studies showing some eye-popping benefits. But we all know that translating technology from the lab into the field often is very difficult. The electricity took 20 to 30 years, as many people have heard. We're still waiting for self-driving cars to have the benefits in the cities that they do on the test track. So this is an example of a technology that's being fielded and already having very real, important real-world effects. We first started working with it about, was it like three, three years ago, was it, Lindsay? I have to go back and check that. And they rolled it out over a period of months, but we were able to see the effects in the company as it was being rolled out and afterwards. That's different than the typical laboratory study of generative AI. And how big was the us of, of employees? So it was about 5,179 customer support agents, and it was a phased rollout, which was very beneficial. And the takeaway? When call center workers are given access the AI recommendations, productivity, which we measure as the number of tech support issues they resolve per hour, goes up by 14%. And that maps a lot of heterogeneity. So for the lowest, lowest skill, newest workers, that number is 35%. And for the most experienced, most productive workers, that's close to zero. So the headline number was this percent worker productivity improvement but I was struck by the sort of sub-results that were also in there. For example, the effect was much larger on lower skilled workers. There was this acceleration effect so that people got up to speed much more quickly. And there was also this notion that somehow the tacit knowledge, that is the uncodified knowledge within an organization, was transmissible through a large language model to a knowledge worker, which I find opens all sorts of deeply philosophical and epistemological questions as, as well. Yeah, so I think to take a step back for the effects that we looked at across lower skill and higher skill workers, 
there's something that's called Poyani's paradox, which is that much of the knowledge that's important in helping you do your job is not something that can be written down or you can pick up a guidebook and pick up that knowledge. It's something that you just generally have to do something a bunch of times to get good at. And you develop this intuition about, oh, I, this kind of feels like a problem that I've heard before. I know the right place to look for the solution. Right. And the, the classic kind of Polanyi's paradox, right? The French yeah, Polanyi's paradox. Classic kind of example is I could read a book about riding a bike, but I don't think it's going to really explain how to do it well enough for me to do it. Sometimes you just have to, in the moment, be shown. The importance of this kind of tacit knowledge is one reason there are a lot of things that haven't been able to be automated. And also one of the reasons why organizations are organized where there's people work in teams, not everyone knows everything. You have a manager, that sort of higher hierarchy approach. So our hypothesis was in the setting, what the AI is able to do on this training data, which is the what the top performing workers are doing and what the low performing workers are doing in a huge number of settings. Maybe it's able to codify some of these best practices of the top performers and turn them into suggestions that are given to the low performers. And as a result of that, because these are best practices that the top performers are already doing, we wouldn't really expect the AI to have that much of an effect. It's really those less experienced and newer workers where we would expect to see the bulk of benefit. This is a real game changer in the way software is developed. Historically, obviously software is a multi-trillion dollar industry being very successful, but you've had to understand a task well enough that some human could sit down and write step-by-step code that is needed. And those of us who have written code, we know that it often can be very fussy if you don't understand exactly what to do next after each step in the process. Machine learning is different. Uh, you don't have to have that kind of detailed knowledge in advance. Instead, you show the system a lot of data. And the founders of this company were ingenious in that they recognized that call center transcripts had an enormous amount of data, not only about what people said in different situations, but when it led to a good outcome and when it led to a bad outcome. So effectively, they had labeled data and they could take the uh, transcripts that led to a good outcome and the machine would figure out what were the key words, the key phrases, the key insights that you wanted to convey to the customer? When do you mention a product upgrade? When do you mention that this other feature is available? When do you change your tone? And uh, there's a lot of subtlety in there. Before they installed the system, managers would sit down with workers about once a week and they would look at a few transcripts and say, hey, here you could have maybe said something a little bit different. But as you can imagine, that's a pretty sparse way to convey that knowledge. And having the machine learning system look at every single transcript and pull out the parts that are most beneficial and then teach the users in real time by prompting them, by, by basically saying, hey, this is a good time to mention this other feature. That was just a tremendously more effective way of capturing that tacit knowledge and conveying it. And I see that over the next few years, more and more companies will be using this because so much, as Lindsay said, so much of the valuable knowledge in organizations is tacit knowledge. It's never been written down. And if we can start tapping into that, it's going to be a huge productivity gain. It would be huge. There's one con contained part of this experiment, of course, which is that each customer service interaction runs for a few minutes with a defined yes or no outcome. And lots of what goes on inside organizations has got much, much longer delays that's contingent on other factors that are perhaps outside of a particular team's ambit. And ultimately, 
the result may be a little bit ambiguous and possibly not even measured. So how would you imagine being able to extend a study that might look at other types of business processes that, that have those more ambiguous, more open-ended, less sort of black and white outcomes? Let me say a little bit about that. You're absolutely right. One of the reasons we picked this setting was that it is one with pretty measurable outcomes. And we were fortunate that it exists. There's a lot of knowledge work that's a lot harder to measure. If someone's designing a new jet engine, then it may not be until years later that we know how much better that engine really is um, and how much safer it is. Whereas with the call center, we get much better feedback. The calls did last more than a few minutes. I think it was typically about half an hour, wasn't it, Lindsay, or a little more even? Yeah, like close to 40 minutes because they're lots of diagnosis stuff. This happening. was a pretty complicated one. This was not like the typical, you're calling your bank to get your credit card limit right. or whatever. Um, it was a little bit more complicated than that, but we did benefit from being able to get pretty quick feedback. And that's why we we're able to get the sort of very strong, clear results that we got. And there's a real art in management in trying to find measures for other kinds of knowledge workers. And it's not always that easy, but we're in the process of connecting with lots of other companies. Maybe some of your listeners want to reach out to us as they roll out these generative AI systems in lots of different contexts, in coding, in writing, advertising, in other kinds of communications. And in each of them, we're going to sit down and identify a set of performance metrics. But getting the performance metrics right is not just important for us researchers, and so we can write nice papers, but it's also critical for managers to be able to map the how a particular change in their processes uh, affects the overall performance of the organization. And, and that's something that will make for better training data for the system as well. So there's a nice sort of complementarity there between what's important for managers, what makes the AI system more effective, and what makes us researchers be able to write better papers. Let's turn to some of the implications of this. So there was one other result, which Eric, when you and I had a sort of tea a couple of weeks ago, I described it as um, I know Kung Fu, that scene from The Matrix where Keanu Reeves learns Kung Fu in 10 seconds. And in one of the results, I think you showed that w while using the assistance of, an, of a generative AI system, an employee would gain six months of experience in just two months. Is that reasonably correct? Uh, yeah, that is. Lindsay, why don't you tell us about that result? It's cool how they were able to do that. Right. So just like with any job, there's this experience curve where you improve pretty rapidly in the few months that you start on the job. And so what we find is that for workers with access to the AI recommendations, after two months, they're as productive as an untreated agent after six months of tenure. And just part of that, we think, is having access to what should I do in specific situations which technical documentation is the right one for this product. Those are all things that would have taken a lot longer to learn without access to this tool. And it's not, I love your Kino Reeves analogy. It's not quite a couple of minutes, but being able to shave four months off the learning curve is incredibly valuable for this company because unfortunately call center operators, they, there tends to be a lot of churn. A lot of them don't really stay there for more than six or seven months. So if you can get them up to speed that much more quickly, that is a huge benefit to the company to the customers. And also we found that the employees like it better too. 
Hey, it's Azim here. So for the rest of this conversation, which is available for premium members of Exponential View, Lindsay, Eric and I talk about the implications of their research, both in terms of workforce and employee management, uh, but also in the wider context of productivity in the economy as a whole. Uh, so if you sign up for the uh, premium version of the uh, newsletter, you will be able to access the rest of that. Thanks very much.